0: Welcome to another episode of RCAF Podcast. I'm your host, Andrew Norris.
1: Thanks for being
0: here. This week I had painter Michael Kamara on the podcast. Michael's work is incredible. Go check it out now before you get through the rest of this intro. He's using acrylic paint to boot, which makes all the subtle blending and details even more impressive. He currently has a piece in the Lore group show at Modern Eden. Assuming that's gonna be shown until the end of the month. And in this episode, we talk a little bit about Michael's story, how he became an artist, his process, the content of his work, which to me reads like scenes from the same movie or the same epic television series. And we talk about color palette, and even a little bit of history thrown in there. I think you're going to enjoy it. And as always, here's the pitch, y'all. The Patreon pitch that I won't shut up about. First, I guess I should say that Patreon subscribers for this episode will get to uh, see me bring Michael's work up on screen and us nerd out about it a bit. And you'll get a nice visual representation of what it is we're talking about in the moment. And that's just at the lowest tier, $4 a month. At the other tiers, $8, you have guest suggestions. 16, you got some merch on your way. That's every quarter you get a piece of merch, a small print, a coffee mug, a sticker, and a t-shirt. You wanna support? I know you do. I know deep down you do. Maybe you don't have enough extra dough lying around to throw four bucks per month and that's okay. I totally get it. One thing you can do is to share one of your favorite episodes with several of your friends. I think that word of mouth promotion is the best kind. Trying to promote these days on uh, social media is a little tough, you know, algorithms, blah, blah, blah. Anyway, I do appreciate you for listening. I do, as always, appreciate you for being here and lending me your attention. That in itself is enough, but if you want to go above and beyond, the Patreon and sharing this out there in the world is super duper helpful. Let's get into this episode. I think y'all are going to love it. It's nearly two hours long. Uh, Side note here, for about the first 15, 16 minutes, Michael had AirPods in, and it it kind of made the sound a little... Thin and Tinny on his side, but eventually he takes those out and we are good to go from there. So yeah, I hope you guys enjoy this episode. Thank you again, Michael, for your time and your support of this podcast. Look forward to following your career, my friend. So here is Michael Kamara. Michael, very nice to meet you. Thanks for being on on the podcast, man. Really appreciate it.
1: Yeah. Uh, thanks for having me.
0: Yeah, and since we're now recording, we were just talking, like for for about a minute before I started, but I want to give a a shout out to Juan Santa who who hooked us up. It's been, and I'll just I'll just restate what I just told you, but it's been really nice to kind of find this. N- new vein of of really dope artists um that i didn't know about before so um yeah big shouts to juan and yeah again really happy to have you man i am a big fan of your work now that i know about it and yeah man um thank you yeah um i'm really glad that that i was able to find you or you know that Juan introduced me to you um, and usually what I do is I start with um, the artist's backstory more or less and so I'd, I'd love to get your backstory and kind of be able to weave into it like maybe some pivotal moments or influences and and then we'll talk about the work and the process and all that fun stuff so one prompt I like to start with is when you were growing up, were you a weird kid?
1: Kind of, I guess. Like I definitely hung out with weird kids and then definitely <laughs> in high school, like I'd say like my group of friends was like, you know, there's the the whole cafeteria and then there was like all of us in the corner, which who we were all into like, you know, D and D and the metalheads and all of them. Um and that was that was kind of my that was who I ran with, I think, um, at least at the end of high school. Um, uh-huh. but yeah, kind of weird, sure.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did you spend a lot of time uh, making art or drawing back then?
1: Yeah. yeah. Like one of those things, I was just talking to my mom about it uh, recently, and she was just saying how, you know, like, um, I, I, like, I never really wanted to get into sports. Like to this day, I'm like not into sports whatsoever mm-hmm. um, on – all I never even really liked going outside too much. I mean, like I did, but mm-hmm. um, I mostly just kind of hold up and then I would just draw all day. And like, you know, summer vacation was kind of my favorite thing because that, that was like where I probably like cultivated like my most unhealth- unhealthy habit of like basically staying up till like three in the morning drawing. Mm-hmm. And like, that was like my summer vacations was just drawing as much as I possibly could.
0: Hell yeah. And
1: uh, Yeah, that was that was kind of my thing.
0: So are you, are you a na- uh, night owl still?
1: Yeah. Which is really, um, draining in my older age. <laughs> Cause I'm like, <laughs> I like, it kicks my ass like nothing else. I'll like wake up in the morning and be like, Oh, this feels like a hangover, except it wasn't as fun last night, you know?
0: <laughs> yeah. 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 I'm definitely feeling that too. Um, I'm 36 now. Sometimes, is it weird? Do you ever forget your age for like a split second sometimes?
1: all the time now all the time i have to do the math i'm like i'm 30s ah shit i'm 38
0: damn (laughs) yeah yeah yeah. i think it's this the phenomenon of like time moving by so fast you know what i mean like you were telling people you know i was telling people i was 34 a couple years ago but a couple years ago sort of feels like two weeks ago at this point Uh,
1: like i feel like when like i like tried to cling as tenaciously as possible to my like mid thirties and be like, all right, now that I'm 38, I'm like, Oh crap. I'm like late thirties.
0: Yeah. 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 (laughs) Yeah. I've, I've been trying really hard not to get too sidetracked on this, but to, to become more of a a morning person. Um, but like even yesterday, so I, I was just for whatever reason I had a bout of insomnia, like a night before last you know, like couldn't fall asleep till like three and woke up at six 30. Cause I had to take my girlfriend to work cause her car was somewhere. And, and even last night, it took me a long time to fall asleep. I don't know why. I think I'm just, there's something about the night. I feel like that sort of unlocks creativity. Would you agree? I feel
1: like that's always been because like, like, this, like the sort of Damocles hanging over my head is like, okay, work starts. Like, like I have a daytime job, so... Yeah.
0: Oh, uh, wow. Like, work
1: starts, and it's like, um, I, I used, like, I tried for a little while to be a morning person, but then what ended up happening is, like, you just get into your groove, and then you're like, oh, shit, I have to be at work, like, 15 minutes ago, and <laughs> then, like, roll in super late, and really tired, and, like, yeah, it just didn't work out for me.
0: Oh, wow. So... So, what are you doing as a as a day job right now?
1: Because, uh, like, a art director, creative director, I work in like advertising, basically. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, that's been kind of my thing. Um, I got out of art school and was like, "Oh, this is a terrifying amount of debt to take on." <laughs> so, I yeah. uh, I got into uh, to design and art direction.
0: Okay, nice. Yeah, so I also want to like kind of switch back to to maybe when when you were in high school at this point did you did you have it like completely fixed in your mind that you were going to be a painter or an artist
1: yeah i think an artist of some kind like it was so i went to my parents put me into like a christian school when i was like middle school Mm -hmm. and i did not like it and um by the time it came around to like my, you know, high school, I was like, yeah, this is definitely a thing that I, I want to go to arts. I want to go to art school. Mm -hmm. Um, and I remember I had a teacher, my art teacher there and she was like, you need to go to the public school, like, you know, where, where you're from. Um, because they have a really good art program. And so that's, that was kind of like where I like, you know, uh, I took it seriously and told that to my parents cause she was saying, she was like, look, I mean, like, she was like, look at this art, the, what we have for an art department here, it's basically a cottage. It was basically like this, like little like school that was like, they bought up some farmland in Connecticut and turned it into a school. And, uh, like there was like a cow pasture, like right next to <laughs> the, right next to it. And, uh, you had to pass through the cat the cow pasture to get to the soccer field and all that. Um, it wasn't like, you know, private school, like, you know, uh sure, Rushmore or anything like that. <laughs> um, nice. And so we, we were like, you know we're we're in this tiny little cottage, and that was the art department, and then she didn't have very much that she could do. She did some drawing and painting and things like that, but that was not the core of the of the uh, focus of school there. And so she was like, yeah, if you go to your hometown, like you you can do photography class, you can do painting, you can do. Uh, ceramics you can do silk screen you can do all these different things and you can really like kind of experiment and you can build like a little portfolio for when you do want to apply to art school so she was like you should just get out of here
0: (laughs) And
1: my parents for whatever reason they were like yeah sure but that seems you do that
0: (laughs) (laughs) nice well sweet so so you're in high school and you're you're already focused on like honing your craft is that how you thought about it back then or were you just like this is fun I really like it or were you thinking in the future like I want to make this a career yeah I wanted to make it a career
1: I knew that because I mean like that's like the core of why I you know like you know what brought me to where I did when I went in high school Mm -hmm. I wasn't sure exactly what I was going to do because at that time I was really into comics and really into like um you know, conceptual art, but like concept art, I should say, not conceptual, concept art, like movies and things like
0: that. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Like my two closest friends, uh, they're both twins, and they were really into special effects. We all were. um, We were all into like, you know, if there was behind-the-scenes stuff, we just like gobbled that up. And, you know, I wanted to actually like work in something like, you know, ILM at like Industrial Light and Magic and be like, I was like, I want to make, I would work on Star Wars or something like that. And then, um, yeah, and then I, I I started off with that. And then when I went to art school, it was like completely like, whoa, like my eyes totally opened in terms of what I could be doing.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I see um, not to jump around too much because I want to I want to get to this later. But uh, I see in your work that it everything sort of has this kind of thread in it, right? Uh, it it almost seems like every piece could be a different scene from like the same movie or the same TV series. Would you say that like when you went to art school, you were, is that how you were conceptualizing it or is that how you conceptualize it now? I
1: conceptualize it um, now because like when I went to art school, it was like, you know, the first year was foundation and it was like, basically it was like boot camp, and it was like, this is how you draw with charcoal, which I had never done. Mm-hmm. Um, this is how, you know, we're gonna do all these cool 3D, like we had to do 3D drawing. We have color theory class, all of that. And that was just the first year. And then second year you choose your kind of what your major is. And then I went into illustration, which was, you know, that's much more like somebody gives you an assignment, you do it, you know, you do your art based off of that walk waka waka waka, you know? <laughs> um you you, you're done um so like I whenever I did do like art for myself um yeah I never really kind of took it that seriously or anything until I really started getting um deeper into art I would say like three years ago I, I took like kind of a pretty long hiatus from from painting and and any sort of art and then I'd say lately it's just been focusing a lot on, you know, uh, what, you know, like uh, having, I guess, a better focus and, you know, uh, what is it I'm trying to do? What are the things that I like? And it's been a lot of, I like world building and things like that.
0: Yeah. And yeah. Uh, I have,
1: and and I'm very interested in that. Um, and I, that might come from, you know, the way that I like conceptual, or, uh, you know, like concept art. Um, I think that kind of has some part to play in it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, so when you were in art school, were there any, uh, mentors or, or maybe even students who were older th- than you that you, that you learned from directly or that you learned a great deal from?
1: Oh, and, Um, I had, first I had this teacher named Rudy Gutierrez who is this like phenomenal, illustrator, but he is like, he totally came at it like a lot of illustrators. And that I was learning from, you know, they're very much like, uh, there, it, it wasn't like, they were definitely like craftsmen. But like, you know, it was very much more it's a little more transactional, it's a lot more commercial, because that's just the way illustration is But Rudy had like a very um, spiritual connection to his art. And all of it like it just has a very specific look to it and you know that's just his vision and i think that when people would choose to to hire him for a job or something like that it was like oh they're choosing him because he's rudy like because he's doing the thing that he does um it's not like he's this chameleon who has to like change his visual language or anything like that based on the assignment necessarily and he was also like technically amazing. He is technically amazing. Like uh so I learned a lot t- technique wise, but also just in terms of just like, you know, trying to have a vision and and like kind of staying just kind of questioning what that is, you know.
0: Mm-hmm. What what would you if you had to define like I know this is such a silly question that we get asked all the time, but like if you had to define your work and it doesn't necessarily has have to be genre based like what kind of like vision are are you seeing with it
1: where like what zip code it's in kind of or like what do you mean like
0: um meaning like in relation to your own work what's what's the vision what's the grand vision there
1: I mean, I think what it's been and it's been in more focus for me lately is that I've just been so, uh, like wrapped up in this sort of like post-apocalyptic sort of setting. And it's really just kind of me, um, (laughs) in a weird way. That's like my weird way of sort of coping with everything right now and just, uh, just trying to find and make something a little bit beautiful and a little bit odd out of something like a little bit more maybe um maybe more morose or something I I don't know like in terms of how to articulate it I guess that's that's kind of where I think I'm at
0: nice uh so yeah real quick I want to take a look at your work for people who be watching this on video um Here we go. Are you seeing basically your Instagram page right now? Uh, Okay. Awesome. All right. So here we are on your Instagram page. I, uh, I didn't actually pull up your website, but I figured this is nowadays. Everybody sort of uses Instagram sort of like a, a gallery page, right?
1: Yeah, I've got to update my, my website. I've had, like, so much work that I have to put in there that I just haven't gotten around to yet.
0: Yeah, yeah, same here. Um, but, yeah, so, yeah, I want to focus on the work here a little bit. Um, sure. would, so you're saying it's, like, this sort of, like, post-apocalyptic kind of vibe to it, which I definitely get, definitely am seeing in there. Would you say there's any sort of other, like, narrative or or... Any any allegories going on in in oh, your work? Oh yeah,
1: yeah for sure. I think that a lot of it too is also kind of like there's a spiritual like element to it, an aspect to it because I think that there's uh, I've always been very like fascinated with you know um, like mysticism, esotericism, all that, um, mm-hmm. and so I try to to put some of that into into the work. You know, like I try to try to give this sort of like, um, this vibe and, you know, like most of the characters are, I'm trying to, they're, there's, they're like, you know, like a, like a spiritual moment sometimes mm-hmm. or a moment of contemplations, things like that. Um, and like, you know, uh, some of the symbols too, that I'm trying to use too, like I'm, I'm borrowing from, uh, from a lot of stuff like that, a lot of old spiritualism and things and things of that nature. Um, so that's that's like I think a huge theme as well that kind of um, has been at least throughout all of my I would say you know since I've gotten back into painting yeah um, that's kind of been where where I've been
0: nice yeah I mean you really capture it so well without being like like hokey you know there's no there's no like um, like pandering going on to. I don't know. I come from kind of a scene where like, um, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to talk too much shit, but like, it's, uh, it's just so real. It's very visceral, but it's also spiritual at the same time, which, which I love about it.
1: Thank you. Yeah. I, I try to like, um, yeah, like that's, that's always the thing that I'm trying to like kind of get across in my art is just this, um, atmosphere this like this this sort of scent like i I really want to make it very very visceral i want to make it feel a little bit um like kind of throw i I want the viewer to sometimes feel like you know when things aren't colored the way they're supposed to be like having things just a little bit more surreal in terms of like what are like my flesh tones and things like that it's just like one of those things that just makes it feel maybe a little bit more dreamlike um
0: yeah definitely what it So, like, I'm noticing a lot of, like, um, I don't know. It seems, let me, I, I like guessing color palettes. Um, so, I'm going to take a guess at some of these. Does this one have, like, I mean, it, I get, like, a, in most of your work, like, an ultramarine blue kind of, like, somewhere between magenta and alizarin crimson and maybe, like, a quinacridone violet. Maybe yeah. So, some um, turquoise.
1: yeah. <laughs> uh, magenta is one that I definitely, Quinacridone magenta, um, uh, definitely ultra marine, marine blue. It's just like this blue, I like just, I've never gotten out of it. I mean, it used to, it, it features very heavily. And like, so this, this pa- painting, for instance, is, mm-hmm. uh this is actually a commission, um, that I did based off of a painting for my solo show last year. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and my solo show last year, I was definitely much more into, it was like very blue and magenta um, in yeah. terms of the color palette. I kept that very like focused, but um, yeah, I think that uh, magenta definitely is like kind of a big thing that's in a lot of them, a lot of them.
0: Yeah. It's one of those colors that does kind of hint at a, it's almost like a color from a different um, spectrum or something It's like, like a space spirit spectrum or something like that. I don't know how to describe it. If you know, you well, know, yeah. you know, yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. Cause it's like, isn't that like one of those things where it's like uh, magenta or something like that isn't actually like a real color. It's basically your brain is making a weird connection really? between like purple. And I, I forget what, how, how it works. But there's there's something about like the way that your brain kind of is sort of invents these colors within a certain range of like lavender and magenta and whatnot.
0: Oh my gosh, I'm thrilled by that that knowledge. Uh no wonder I love it so much. Yeah, I'm a big big magenta fan too over here. Um yeah. <laughs> Team Magenta. Yeah, yeah. Um but yeah, I want to talk about the process too with your work, man, because Okay, so we've gotten kind of a a, a nice background of, of where you came from. Obviously, you're traditionally trained, which I could pretty much tell by just looking at your work. Um, but'm I'm, I'm wondering where do you get your your compositions, your ideas from, or more importantly, how what's the process from beginning to end that you take with your work?
1: um well there's a lot of agonizing in my sketchbook over it um and my sketchbook i feel like i look at other artists and their sketchbooks are very like here is a very nice neat drawing that you know that somebody has done and uh it looks nice and you could like cut that page out of there and you could sell it right for me it's total chicken scratch and i'm just trying to like constantly like like, I will just draw a thing that I'm like, oh, this could be a really interesting little arrangement of items that could make a really cool headdress or something like that.
0: Mm -hmm. And I've
1: always got that kind of simmering in the background. But, um, you know, I I always just try to, um, you know, I I always start with the sketching. And then like, what symbols am I trying to to pull into it? What? And there's always kind of a little bit of, you know, I, I try to pull in something that's A little bit more, like, uh, sometimes I I will pull in pieces of inspiration from, you know, an artifact. So I'm really into history. Um, And so I love seeing, like, old artifacts from, like, you know, 800 B.C., you know, 800 B.C. uh, um, Iberian culture or something like that. Or nice. um, sometimes like before the Romans and in Britain or something, you know. Like I, I, I'm, I'm kind of really into that. Um, so I always have, you know, I'm always kind of collecting that stuff in the background as well. And so when it kind of comes time for like doing a painting, I like there's, I, I kind of have like a like an idea, rough idea in my head, and then it's just a matter of like just doing a lot of sketching and like really working out what am i doing something can i be doing something different with the figure in this what can i be doing um different with the propping um is there something interesting i can do that's different with the composition um things like that and so then i'll have like kind of a rough idea of like all right here's all the things i'm trying to arrange because it's almost like it's it's sort of collagey too
0: to some Mm -hmm. degree yeah yeah yeah
1: um so then I, then I'll kind of like pull together my reference and then I'll, I'll Photoshop it together and then play around with what are the colors I want to do on that. And then, um, fuss around with that. And then, um, that's, then I'm off to the races, um, do my drawing transfer on the, on the, on the board. And then I just start painting.
0: Nice. So is it, is it always on board? Is it always on, uh, on wood? yeah
1: it's usually yeah it's usually always on wood unless it's like i did a thing for like a tarot show back in like december um and i that was one that i did on illustration board which was like kind of nice i hadn't touched illustration board in years um but i wanted the final thing the final painting um because it is like it was for a tarot card set like for a tarot card set yeah i did want the actual physical piece to kind of have that feeling too yeah, um, yeah, so that's why I I kind of did that. But yeah, it's usually on on the it's always on wood. wood
0: okay. There. Yeah. Do you just prefer the smoothness or? Oh yeah, yeah, <laughs> percent. Yeah. I've never
1: liked this. I've never liked canvas. I never huh. liked
0: it. Okay. Nice. And and it's all oil. I mean, it's got to be oil, right? It looks like it is. Or is it? Oh pretty-
1: no, I, I paint acrylic.
0: Oh wow! Nice. Okay. Sweet. 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 I was just sitting here like the past three days, just assuming it was oil. Didn't even, didn't even check like the dang hashtags that are like right there in front of me. (laughs) But yeah, yeah, wow. You get really, really smooth blends. Um, but let's talk about that a little bit. I paint acrylic as well. Um, and for me, do you, do you sort of keep like two brushes in your hand and one's like a damp brush and the other's like a well in your off hand and then of course you have the loaded brush with the paint and then so offhand you have damp brush and maybe even a dry brush is that how you kind of get that Um,
1: it depends on like what I'm doing so some of it I just do dry brushing I do Mm. a lot of scumbling um and then you know uh if I'm doing flesh tones where I'm really trying to get a very nice broad but very gentle gradient, that's when I'll just do a wet on wet so I'll have three brushes in my hand actually where I'll have you know one for one color one for the other and then I very quickly have my blender and then I just kind of blend it
0: uh, and then, nice yeah, yeah 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 so you're blending yeah. it on the on the surface and that's cool yeah 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 I've been I, I've done kind of both ways like more recently I, I've been more into like just mixing out flat colors and using like just like sort of tones to to hint at you know th- three dimensionality I guess mm-hmm. but but yeah man this is uh, this makes me like even more impressed with your work uh, would you say that like like learning illustrations sort of is more in line if you were to transfer to painting, I'd say it's more in line with acrylic painting.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Cause it was always like, you know, I, I tried for my first year to do, and that's my first year of like, or sorry, I should say my second year when I was just starting like my classes, my illustration classes, Mm -hmm. I tried doing a lot of oil and I loved oil, but it was messy. I got it everywhere. I hated the fumes. Mm -hmm. Um, And I'm also very impatient. At the time, luckily, I was, like, really into more, like, you know, everybody kind of goes through the the stage, maybe, the phase, like, with it. But I was into, like, impressionist painting. And so, you know, uh, I could be uh, as rough as I wanted to. Um, But then I think just because, you know, like, what I was trying to achieve, I just started getting into acrylics. And um, I just kind of never went back.
0: Well, and it also looks like you're kind of, you know following the same oil recipe with going like thin and dark first right mm-hmm. with your layers and then building up probably to more and more thick layers how th- how thick do you go it does it seems like everything's so smooth um yeah pretty thin. Yeah, yeah it's pretty thin right okay nice. yeah i
1: don't i don't really get a lot of it's something maybe i should play around with more um, to be less fussy about that surface quality, but I really do love having it be as, as smooth as it is. Mm-hmm. And that's yeah. like, and that, like, and that's been something I've only been getting lately too, with my surface, like with the woods, I've been, I bought like a power sander for it. Hell yeah! And so I look really nice and smooth. And then I use, um, uh, you know, obviously you have to size it and then you have to put on the, uh, the gesso, but I use spray gesso now.
0: Really? And
1: uh, yeah, because, you know, when you're painting on wood panel, you have to put like, you know, you have to put like that layer of like GAC 100 to like right. seal it. Right. And between when you have layers of that and you get brush strokes from that and you can't sand it, and then you put on the gesso and you get the brush strokes from the gesso, you can sand it well enough. And then I what I do on the very top is I put a layer of absorbent ground. And it really gives it this paper texture. It like really absorbs um, nice. watery paint. And so that allows me to, to do really nice like kind of washy blends on my underpaintings um, in a way I don't think you can really do with, uh, with gesso. But um, yeah, with the acrylic, uh, sorry, with the, uh, the spray gesso, I can get a really super flat, you know, surface. And then when I put absorbent ground on, I don't have very many built-in brush strokes from priming the canvas.
0: Nice. Th- and that's a, I mean, yeah, this this process video here, it almost looks like, like right here coming up. It looks like you're working with watercolor almost, right? But it, yeah. it, as you're saying, it's like, I mean, it, it looks like it's very absorbent in there. And that's on yeah. wood, which is is, um, you know, blowing my mind. I, the, the wood I usually in the past have worked on has been like uh, just like birch wood from home Depot. Right. And then, and then also, and then like the fancy like clay board, um, which isn't absorbent at all. So yeah, this is cool. So, and it's, it's the ground that you were talking about.
1: Yeah. It's, uh, it's golden absorbent ground. It's called, nice. um, and it just gives you a really great, like you can really create watercolor effects with it if you want to. Um, and you don't need a lot of like layers to, to, to get that. Um, yeah. and I just love it because I just love the drag, you know, um, mm-hmm. when I thinking, it's just like feeling the drag on the brush just right. It's just, uh, that's just kind of my preference. I mean, everybody's kind of different. Yeah. Um, uh, But then I find, too, it holds on, like the paint really holds on to that, onto that, onto the absorbent ground a lot better than if I was to put it on gesso, especially when I'm doing layers of dry brush on top, because, you know, you put acrylic down on top of uh, already dried acrylic, and it'll like reactivate it a little bit. Yeah, yeah. And if you you scumble too hard, or if you, you dry brush too hard, you'll start to pick up the layers underneath it.
0: Yeah yeah well, well dang I just you learn something new every day right I didn't even know that absorbent ground existed and yeah it's
1: probably I highly recommend it I highly recommend it it's been like my favorite discovery in the last like
0: four years yeah I'm definitely going to check it out I, I kind of want to get back to like like history and uh, and artifacts that you were mm-hmm. mentioning earlier in your work uh i'm i'm a big fan of history too but i honestly i don't seek it out enough um where are you listening to like podcasts are you like watching documentaries about historical things
1: yeah i'm um i was into i mean i was really into this podcast called hardcore history right which i highly recommend to everybody it's this guy dan carlin and if you're going to listen to anything, he has this like six part series. Each one is very long, the wrath of the Khans And it's just all about the, the Mongolian empire, which like none of us learn about in Western history. Right. Uh, and like how amazing they are and like what they, what they accomplished. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, read too, like, I'm, I'm really into like, you know, Roman, uh, history, Greek history. I've been getting into a lot more rate right, lately. Um, and then I'm also trying to get into a bit more of like pre-Columbian, um, history as well down in, in South America. Like my mom's from Ecuador. So I've always been kind of like fascinated by that, but I never really like, I never really engaged with it as much. Um, and now I'm just like very, I was always fascinated with it, but I just never really got like dug into it and like tried to learn more.
0: Yeah yeah i have a bunch of audio books sort of lined up over well i'll show you but yeah it's like that mythos Uh 1491 new revelations of america before columbus so Mm -hmm. yeah yeah i'm looking to get into that stuff too do you feel like that like there's
1: and steel that's a good one i just saw it on there yeah yeah and sapiens that's another
0: great one Nice. Who's, who wrote Sapiens again? I know it's like kind of a famous writer at this point. Yeah. That's a great question. Ma- I never
1: remember the name of the the author. Is, um,
0: is it Malcolm Gladwell? Is that who it was? Probably not. I don't know.
1: No, no. It, Cause it was translated from, um, I think it was originally this Israeli dude, uh, you know, you Nora Harari or something like that.
0: Right. Right. Yeah. Nice. um, <laughs> i say nice way too much as a placeholder um but yeah so i'm I'm, so i'm also seeing like modern artifacts and even maybe like 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 this one it looks like she has are those clips are those gun clips in her helmet there so
1: i've been like getting really into this because i'm like thinking in the future it's like like with this and i'm like i always think about like as i'm looking around like i have like a mil a million like star wars action figures right and i think (sighs) to myself 300 years in the future 400 years in the future aliens are going to come down here and they're going to like we're going to be gone and then they're going to like sit through all this stuff and they're going to be like there was this religion and there was this 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 guy with a white shirt and you know blonde hair and a, and a, a laser sword of some sort uh, he must be a very must have been very important to their religion you know <laughs> yes um, so I always think about like in all of these like just uh you know what are the what are these like cool things that are from our modern day that mm. would be purposed down the road you know um in like a like a lot of headdresses and things like that. Like, would they be some sort of relic? You know, yeah. um, do they have like? Would would the would they attribute some sort of like uh, significant spiritual significance to them? Um, and that's that's where like a lot of that stuff kind of comes in. And it's always like you know, some of it is like a little bit more like uh, you know, there'll be like something that's you know like bullets and things like that. Something like you know things of war because you know we are a very violent little species yeah um so i could see that being a thing and then also like obviously like pieces of like consumerism you know like <laughs> and, like in this one there's like a rolex on you know on her forehead and uh
0: <laughs> yeah oh man yeah that's it's perfect um let's see yeah totally um this is me buying time trying to remember what i was thinking of um just gonna make a little note here but i love
1: um the other thing i love to do with it too is i just love to age things and there's something really cool about rusting and giving these things that are like modern just giving them this like really crazy like (laughs) just wearing the shit out of them and like, you know, what's an old iPhone going to look like, you
0: know? Yeah. Right, right. So where do you see humans in the future? Are you are you an optimist? You said like three, four hundred years, you don't really see us around. I kind of agree. But how do yeah. you think, what do you think is going to happen? Is it is it going to just be like catastrophe or are we going to have some sort of like tech apotheosis or or something
1: i think it's gonna be like i think it's probably going to be something to be honest with you that's definitely climate related and then everything is all connected right so i could easily see you know climate causing a lot of international strife and um yeah causing a lot of like you know um tensions and and wars and things like that. And I can just see things escalating from there um, in a pretty awful way, because I think it'll be a case where I wouldn't be surprised, you know, like if it's just one, it's going to be uninhabitable. Like most of everything's going to be uninhabitable. There's going to be the natural disasters that come because of climate change. And then you're going to have on top of that, you know, it's human nature to like, being like, you know, like getting into these conflicts. And I could right. easily see it being, um, if you've survived the, uh, you know, the climate change stuff, well, then you're probably also going to have some weird, like, you know, going to have to survive the wars too, or something. I, I don't know. Like that's, that, if I was going to guess, that's probably how it would go.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I kind of, I kind of, I don't know what to think. I like to sort of, I guess, withhold speculation on it because probably because just to protect myself uh emotionally you know like (laughs) having to think about all that stuff is just like exhausting in in a lot of ways but i mean i i think that when it comes down to it like uh, you know i i don't see it's hard to like envision humans on this same trajectory uh, you know, like two or three hundred years in the future, because we're going so asymptotic with with technology and with um, you know just how how completely interconnected everything really is now on a social level. Like it's always been, you know, interconnected on uh, let's say like environmental level, but now it's like all these economies are relying on each other, and and it's just uh, to me, to to me, it seems like a big old mess <laughs> but i'm yeah, ho- i'm we, hopeful but i don't know
1: yeah like i i can see it like because it's like i don't know i think it's also like you know everything civilization technology all that stuff is all very uh, uh you know it's fragile like um yeah it's always it's always interesting how like like when they conceptualize after like you know rome fell how there was a lot of knowledge that just kind of lost or receded into different places and didn't like reemerge again for another like 700, 800 years. Right.
0: And that's, I don't know. Yeah. What do you, what do you think about the idea that, um, do you know Graham Hancock? Do you know his? I don't. So apparently about 12,000 to 13,000 years ago, a comet or some sort of like space object struck the earth and Graham Hancock is uh he's, he's a journalist, I guess is how he describes himself. But he, he goes like looking at all these different pieces of evidence from the past about how like, you know, the pyramids apparently have water erosion on them. So does the Sphinx, which would mean that they were, they would have had to have been built in a time when, Egypt was a more um or less of a desert which dates way way back right and so like he thinks that there was a an ancient civilization that was maybe not as like mechanically technologic as we are but they were advanced in terms of like they knew agriculture they knew astronomy uh what what do you think about that what's your take on that if you had to guess
1: um it's like, there's, I mean, I think that's true. Cause I mean, there's, I'm, I'm like looking it up right now that there was this, this device that was like found very recently and it's Greek. It was in like, a, it was in a shipwreck and it's like, it's made like with a bunch of gears and wheels and things. And it's like, basically like a little <laughs> different size gears and things like that, I forget what it was called. It's the, uh, the, the, something that was, like it began with a T um, and Oh yeah, here it is. It's that antikythera mechanism. If you look it up, um, it's like really wild that it's like, it's basically kind of like a little computer. Um, yeah. and it's old. I mean, it's like, you know, a couple thousand years BC. Um, wow. but like, yeah, I think that there, there was possibly, you know, a bit of, I mean, we, we've, we are surprisingly as a civilization like older than i think More older than we think and and we're learning that more when we keep finding like certain sites and things like that that you know bear the markings of like you know uh modern human like as we know it activity um and it can be like it like predates like what we're thinking like by like a hundred thousand years or something like that yeah and you're just Oh, uh, that that's wild. But then there's like stuff like, um, I was reading this really cool book that was, that was uh, 1139. I think it's, no, 1177. I think it is. Mm-hmm. It was basically this year in like 1177 BC where they don't know why some cataclysmic event happened and almost every civilization in like the fertile crescent near East, all of that, even Egypt, all like there was some huge catastrophic event that like all of those civilizations like were under increased duress and like there was all sorts of strife cities just like kind of disappeared and vanished and things like that and they they the first is attributed to something they call the sea people which is like some they were thinking like some sort of like weird vikings or something like that that may have shown up because it shows up in like uh ramses Second, like you know and on this day this battle happened and you know yeah. ramses uh lost 10,000 men to the you know to the sea peoples or something like that <laughs> yeah so, like that's really wild
0: it's like dolphins all of a sudden became sentient and decided <laughs> to kick some ass
1: <laughs> i would be surprised if they know more than we think they do <laughs> you know same
0: same same yeah it, but just to kind of bring it full circle like in in your work i'm seeing you know there's there's definitely humans in it and then mm-hmm. it seems like they've survived some sort of cataclysm right and yeah. uh and maybe they're you know if you think about it in terms of rome losing all that knowledge or rome falling and then the the west basically losing about 700 years of knowledge and then sort of rediscovering it is that that seems like the vibe that, that I'm picking up on in your work too.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's definitely like imagining, you know, kind of picking up from the pieces of like picking up from like the rubble of like kind of collapse and then yeah, doing what humans do as we adapt, you know?
0: And then tell, tell all these stories about what happened before us, even though we have no, no clue really. I mean, we can, now we can use a little bit more science and, and have a better guess, but.
1: Yeah. But yeah, that's, that's kind of like roughly, like, I guess that's, that's sort of it, um, in terms of like what I, the way I kind of interpret it, like how that manifests itself, I guess, in my paintings. Um, cause it's, it's a lot of that and it's like, yeah, that's also another thing too, is I always just think about how things like we always we end up always repurposing stuff like that like one of the things i was struck by when i was like the coliseum like we people like it was easier to just in like medieval times to just pick at the columns and in those columns there's gigantic metal posts that hold these gigantic slabs in place yeah and there's the metal cleats what people did in medieval times is they would, it was just easier to just chip into one of those columns and then mine out the metal from that. Mm-hmm. And so when you go to the Coliseum, there's all these little places where these, there's these just deep holes chipped into them. And yeah. it was just because it's easier to do that. And like, I just think that people always end up reusing things or repurposing them in, in some way. Um, and I would think too, if it's just something that's like technological that you don't understand, you know, like it,
0: it right. you know,
1: you probably surmise that it's something super important to people. Once upon a time,
0: yeah, um, but it's it's kind of like a you know the necessity of the moment will always, you know, trump the, you know, the former sacredness or former like you know pillar of knowledge. Uh, mm-hmm. that something used to be it's really really interesting um but yeah so i want to uh pivot once again and talk about um like business and mm-hmm. the question i have is how do you how do you navigate in the art world what's your strategy
1: um well right now i I've been mostly just kind of, well, I'm figuring out whatever my next steps are. Cause I've been doing gallery work for a while now
0: mm-hmm.
1: and, um, uh, you know, I've just been kind of, that's been a really great way for me to like either in group shows to kind of hone and keep getting, you know, keep trying to expand and hopefully have more people see my work, but, um, in terms of where I want to go business wise, I'm not. I'm not sure it's like, I kind of would love to do stuff that's like more like find different, different audiences and different ways to, to, um, to create. That's not just, not just paintings, I guess, not just, uh, not just gallery shows and things like that. Yeah. I think it's tough, you know, like galleries take a, they take a cut, right and uh and for right now i'm fine with that i'm like you know like there's a lot involved i did like my own i did my own pop-up show one time um with uh this guy ian Cinco. uh highly recommend everybody take a look at his stuff but um
0: ian Cinco, like the number
1: yeah c-i-n-c-o and uh i did a show with him We, we i was like um hey let's do this let's do like a pop-up shop let's do a pop-up show and do like a little solo show and we we put all you know like we got a space on i think it's called storefront Mm -hmm. um is the site and it's kind of like an airbnb for like basically like spaces like if you want to do a pop-up shop or if you want to do a pop-up gallery show or whatever and so i did that and then it was like um for one night's work like i mean there was a lot of work in like promoting it and like getting everything together and like you know organizing it getting out the word buying some ads for, for it on instagram sure really good turnout and it was a lot of legwork for one day's work you know for one for one night and i was like i don't know that i have it in me to do this
0: <laughs> right and
1: then like i I would love to be able to just like to keep painting and like i totally envy like when you know certain artists uh they they just crank out work and then they just sell directly like they're just like hey i have this thing available on my site go for it on instagram and then somebody gobbles it up um i have not had any success with that but i'm also not very like um proactive about that right now because i'm just like uh Everything I have, like, I just, I make something and then I immediately, I have to ship it off to like, you know, a gallery now, you know, like I have this, I have this huge box over here that I just like, just had to clean up before this call, mm-hmm. um, I had crack all over the place to, to get this thing all set up to, to send out to San Francisco. Um, but like, yeah, I would love to be able to sell more, have direct relationships with, uh, with buyers too. Um, mm-hmm. uh, and then like, yeah, uh being able to do like i don't know even like i say graphic novel but like i have a friend who does graphic novels and it's like it's slave work it's so like much tough. work yeah it's so much work it's yeah. so much work and i like every one of those guys i respect them so much because they are it is a grind it is a grind yeah um, but it's cool storytelling it's a it's a cool uh vessel for storytelling
0: yeah so question about the galleries did you reach out to them or were they reaching out to you what was that process like
1: um when i first started i reached out to a bunch of galleries um and i just like went to every one of them i checked out what was their submission policy and Mm. what i did too was then i would call them up and i would just be like oh hey I'm going to do this submission, you know, like wanted to submit some work. I saw, I have to send it. Just want to make sure this is the right email. Um, who should I address? You know? So that way at least I could send this email and it's a submission and I could be like, uh, Hey, Hey Jeff. Uh, glad I, yeah. somebody at the, somebody at the gallery, I just talked to them and they said, I should send you, sending my stuff. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I started, I, I sent out a bunch of like cold emails and got a couple of bites, not a ton.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And, um then there were like honestly it was like there were a couple galleries that i've loved that were doing open um uh, open calls yeah. and uh one of them was uh la Luz uh la Luz de jesus in uh in la then before that um there was jonathan uh jonathan levine projects mm-hmm. uh which i was like as like when I was in school, like that was like a really, like that gallery just came out, like just opened when I was in school. But I remember being like, whoa, he is showing some really cool artists. It's not just like the usual sort of like um, stuff that you might see in like Chelsea galleries. And then he had like an open call. So I I definitely jumped on that. And then uh, Arch Enemy Arts and uh, I would say that like, you know, from that, those were really good shows. And I kind of got some good relations because of that. But I think the biggest was obviously with Arch Enemy um, in Philadelphia because mm-hmm. they've been like super supportive and they've, um, you know, I've had a lot of shows with them now. Like they, inv- they started inviting me to group shows and then having more group shows like that. And then, um, you know, Instagram is obviously the best way that I have to and like everybody, you know, to kind of show you're working on and, and whatnot. And then I think more places kind of found me through that. And then I like really haven't, um, submitted to very many places after that. Like it's been a lot of, um, I've been very lucky, um, that I've had a lot of, um, galleries who've come to, to me asking me to, you know, participate in, um, in, in group shows and things like that. So, um, that's mm-hmm. that's basically been it, like in a yeah. nutshell. Like it, now
0: it's just you. You had a solo show at Arch Enemy.
1: Yeah, I just I just finished my second solo show with them. Um, nice. My first one was literally at the beginning of 20, uh, 2020. Um It was like just as everything was hitting the fan with all this COVID stuff, mm. and uh, I was like, "Damn, what a bummer!" Uh, it's my first solo show, and I really would love to just be at a gallery and like, you know, like to actually, let me, I want that experience. Um, but like, you know, that's just, it was, it was bad then, you know, and like we had, even we had just started, you know?
0: Right. No one knew what was going on. So exactly. what'd, you, what'd you do during the pandemic? This is a question that I've, I've sort of stopped asking people, but I think it, it, it's always good to touch back in on it. Like what, what was your strategy during the pandemic? Were you still going to your day job at all? Or was that a thing or,
1: well, I was a freelancer up until the pandemic, believe it or not. I, um, that was the best. I loved freelancing. Um, doing what I do because I would go into a gig for a couple months. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, I, I knew how much I needed to make, you know, like I'd be like, okay, I need to be working this many days or this, you know, whatever, this many weeks out of the year. Um, and then, what was really great about it was that it was so inconsistent. Like you would have a nice big gap of a month and a half, and I could just paint, 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 paint day and night. And yeah, it was great. I really can only paint at night because of you know because uh, of work. Uh, then I also have a I have a daughter. I have a three year old. <laughs> <So>, oh wow! <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I didn't realize so that, that. Yeah, so that um, that that took a bit of time. Um, that takes some time. And so like, yeah, all I have our like late nights and, um, once COVID hit, uh, I was freelancing for one of my old bosses and, mm-hmm. um, he was like, yeah, like, you know, where everybody's working from home. So I just kind of, it was great. Cause I would like be able to work, you know, maybe in between meetings here and there, I'd be able to do like a drawing or something like that, or mm-hmm. I'd be able to crack a canvas or something like that. Um, and then, yeah, that's just kind of how I made it work. And then I became full-time like a year at like, uh, like in August of 2020. And then, yeah, then it just became like having to paint at night and whatnot, but, uh, working from home, which I don't really mind at all. I love it. To oh be yeah. Honest with yeah. It's the best.
0: That's kind of nice. Cause you have the best of both worlds. Like you're getting a steady paycheck, but you're also not, I think the worst part about like having a, a job job for me is like the commute, the time, the gas, like, I mean, and I complain about it and I live, I don't even live in Denver. I live like near Boulder and like, sometimes the commute is, I'm like, oh, 30 minutes, you know? And like (laughs) some people have to really deal with traffic and, you know, commute way further than, than I used to. Um,
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um one of my um I actually interviewed for a job once upon a time out in Boulder. Um and I remember uh it was like the the commute wouldn't have been too bad, but the problem was that like any of the affordable housing was not in Boulder. So mm-hmm. it was like the commute was the, the commute seemed a little hairy. Yeah, we um,
0: we live outside Boulder, by the way, just to give you an idea of how I'm making it work.
1: Yeah. <laughs> um
0: uh, by the way, what do you do? Well, I'm a so I'm a painter as well, um, mm-hmm. and do this podcast, which doesn't really, at the moment, generate all that much money. I've got a little Patreon going, you know, it's like about mm-hmm. 150 bucks a month, n- enough to pay a bill or two. Um, so yeah, I'm just kind of stringing together print sales and an original here and there. I'm thinking about. um getting, getting a little part-time gig with some guys I used to work for in the weed industry, um, uh, just like a couple days a week.
1: Oh, that's great.
0: Yeah. It's kind of yeah. nice. Like
1: they just legalized that here. And I was like, Oh man, I got to find some way to get in on that. Um, <laughs> in some way, shape or form. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like prints, I think are, that's always been dicey for me. Cause I like, I just do like the, and again, it's like, I don't, promote it very well i'm very terrible about like um passive income streams yeah Um, even you know it's like a great idea to like to do prints i've just been a little hesitant because you know just kind of the, the upfront investment for doing like a limited edition run you know
0: yeah that's pretty much what i do and i i sort of know i can sort of gauge how many i'm going to sell um based off people's reaction how many i sold last time um and so like right now my editions are like 20 25 something like that oh okay um but yeah I i don't ever you know like i think i'm done doing just little poster open edition prints anymore like i'll do limited edition canvas prints like i'll only print you know maybe 10 or 15 total something like that Mm -hmm. And another little trick that I have up my sleeve, like I came up in the kind of like festival community. Mm -hmm. And so I'd be like live painting it at concerts and stuff like that, Uh... which is very helpful. um, Especially now that like my work has improved over the last three or four years. So that helps. But like during the pandemic, it was, it was a little rough but
1: did that affect you most because like um you know some of the like obviously the concerts and stuff like that are all like kind of on ice and yeah stuff like that i imagine that was probably a, a big
0: yeah i filed I, i'll be really honest i filed for unemployment for like 4 or 5 months during 2020 and then for some reason i was like i think i got this you know i think this will be okay and then i stopped and now i'm like ah and i am okay but it's it's kind of like i wish still i would have had like the extra 200 300 bucks every every week or so but anyway that's yeah. neither here nor there um but yeah the pandemic i know it was a, a kind of tough on a lot of people but it's it seems like it's nice to be able to to work from home are you m- mostly just in meetings and reviewing like you say you're an art director for ad advertising.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So it's a lot of like, uh, I, because I'm like kind of, um, I, I oversee a lot of people now. Um, but mm-hmm. it was a lot more like, when I was a freelancer, it was much more like hands-on doing designs and things like that.
0: Yeah.
1: Um, but now, um, yeah, it's a handle, I think a lot more, it's a lot more meetings. Um, you mm-hmm. know, I still, obviously like, I think it's very important cause like that's the whole reason I kind of got into it was, it was supposed to be something that I could like kind of use that my design brain essentially. Right. Um, visual, conceptual brain. Um, and I still do projects here and there for, you know, where I'm actually doing it now. Um, because it's just important to kind of keep, you know, um, keep that craft kind of sharp.
0: Sure. Uh,
1: but, uh, yeah. Like that's, that's, that's mostly like, that's, that's what it is. I'm in a lot of meetings and then if I can steal away in between meetings, I'll go upstairs and my, like my in-laws live upstairs. So they like take care of oh, my cool. daughter and I go, go oh. see her and have lunch with her. And,
0: oh, that's awesome.
1: Uh, yeah. Or she comes in and invades the space and like hides my stuff. Like, <laughs> like, where, did, like where did my sketchbook go? Like, I was trying to find it before you uh, before before the calling and I was like I can't find it anywhere and then I finally find it tucked away somewhere and all of my like all of my sketches for my next show like I was just trying to like you yeah. know noodle out ideas and concepts she scribbled on every one of them
0: <laughs> uh, she was uh, she's like oh I'm gonna make this a collab you yeah exactly. <laughs> exactly well yeah but, I mean uh, I, that that sounds like a pretty sweet setup um, it's cool that you're able to kind of use something that's at least like painting adjacent or like you know what you're doing in the in the gallery world it's like you're you still have like, like your design eye like trained on things right yeah and so yeah it seems like that that would keep things sharp um also in your own process uh, yeah
1: i think that a lot of that definitely like my design eye definitely plays a lot and vice versa and my 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 you know, my eye for composition like that obviously also plays into my design life and,
0: mm-hmm. and all that. Yeah. Um, actually speaking of process, I forgot to ask you one, one question that I was really curious about. Like, so these figures in these portraits in, mm-hmm. in your work, are you, are you using photo references? Are you taking photos yourself? Um, or is this straight from the imagination?
1: no those are uh, there's photo reference and i like take a hot like i'll take a figure and i might hodgepodge together you know different arms and things like that on there and then um yeah it all kind of comes together when i do the drawing and then the actual painting um to kind of hopefully make it look a little bit more natural um but i just bought a bunch of equipment um earlier in the year. Um, so I'm going to have, I'm going to be start shooting my own, um, uh, my own reference nice. and seeing how that goes. Um, Hell yeah. probably in like, I think the last three weeks or so is when I have, when I have books. So, um, I have to see where that goes. Cause it's always like, that's the hard thing too. Is like, I'm not a great photographer and setting up the lights and things like that. And right. uh, there's a lot of technical aspects to that. That's always been kind of a, a challenge, but <laughs> hopefully it won't be, um,
0: yeah. New area to, to grow into and, and learn about. Right? Yeah.
1: Yeah, exactly. Cause I originally bought the whole setup to, uh, to take photos of my paintings because I was like, I had this guy that I would, um, you know, he would, he was like, yeah, I've got a, t- you know, I've got a, it was a through a friend of a friend. He's got like a, um, a camera and he would basically come in with his lights, his camera, tripod, all that take a bunch of photos and then you know he'd process them and give them to me and whatever but i was like ah it's really hard to be like kind of beholden to that so i was like i'll just i I looked at his rig and i was like i should just get this stuff
0: yeah i should just
1: stuff and so i did and then i was like yeah no i think i definitely need to use this for my own like reference now you know like i i think i can do this totally so you know like here's hoping
0: (laughs) yeah 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 it'll it'll um Once you get it down, it'll make things a little more simple, I guess.
1: Yeah, yeah. Yeah, especially when it comes to, like, uh, yeah, stitching together different different pieces. Because the thing also, too, that's, I mean, I still will do a lot of stitching because it's, like, sometimes there's a certain face that I'm looking for that I want to put on there. Mm -hmm. Like, you know the hands are not as expressive as I want them to be. So I'll have to find something or sometimes I take photos of my own hands and then I put them in there and then that becomes the reference. Yeah. Uh, Yeah.
0: I've done that before. Yeah. Like I can't find a picture of Erica Badu's hands anywhere. So I'm just like, I'll just do something. Um, so, so where do you see kind of your work or or your career headed in the future in terms of, in terms of your own art and, and maybe even landing like a gig that would be like kind of a dream gig. Damn. That's a good question.
1: Um, well, my real hope is I want to do something where, uh, like I really want to obviously paint, keep doing gallery work and all of that. I definitely want to expand out of it, but I also like, Kind of been playing around with the thought of like um, starting like a little small gallery or something like that that also doubles as a studio space for mm-hmm. myself, um, and seeing kind of where that where that goes. Like um, Anthony Heard does something like that, right? Uh, right. And he has like exhibitions and stuff like that in his um, in his gallery space out um, in I think he's, he's in Santa Fe or he's in Albuquerque.
0: I know he's in New Mexico. I'm not sure yeah. which one actually.
1: I, yeah. I can't remember which, but, um, which, but you know, the good thing there is that there's, you know, like if it was, I think if it's Santa Fe either, or there's still a good art scene there.
0: Yeah. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I'm yeah. up in like a little bit just North of New York city. Um, I'm close enough to a couple of places, little towns that have galleries. Um, but you know, it's not, a huge there's not like a huge gonna be a huge art scene here so it would be like how else can i make that
0: space also make money on top of me painting out of it too right yeah yeah well i've always found that like artists in my humble opinion uh are the best curators right of of work because they know what's good and what went into it like it's it's kind of like how when musicians listen to music they're like oh i know what they're doing here and mm-hmm. then you know and it's like we see paintings and we might you know might not always get it right but like like i like i thought you were using oils just because you know I, I i didn't really look into it but it just sort of looked like smooth and now now i know your secrets but yeah i i think <laughs> that that artists have a good eye for those kinds of things right
1: yeah. Yeah. I mean, like, I, that's the only thing I can imagine that's tough about curating and running a gallery, just from my experience, even when it was just me and, and one other person, mm-hmm. is that it's got to be, like, herding cats.
0: Oh, like, yeah, 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 yeah.
1: I, I, I always hear from, like, gallerists where they're just, like, you know, they're just, like, you know, um, thank you so much for being on time with this stuff. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Like, like everything being ready to hang and like, thank you for like packing it well, you know, like all that. And I'm like, no, like that's it. You're supposed to do that, right? Yeah. And I, I, I talked to and like, that was very interesting because I'm like, you know, you get the impression it's like, oh, stuff falls, comes in late and that'll happen because stuff gets shipped late, you know? Yeah. But um, it's very easy to like, you know, to imagine that, you know, it's just easy to forget you know, like, oh, this thing's got to be in-house by what date? Oh, crap, you know? like Right, right. Stuff. So I, I can see where that can be, like, kind of tough to wrangle and um, keep all of that straight and get make sure all the artists are getting the information that they need and, and things mm-hmm. like that. Yeah. So,
0: yeah, it's kind so of like when, when galleries ask for the work, they probably do it, like, you know, a little bit before they need it. Kind of like... Right. How, You you tell your buddy who's always late to something, oh no, we're leaving at noon, so he's there by one or whatever. Yeah.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I'm that buddy though. Yeah.
0: Yeah, yeah. We're artists. I mean Yeah. Yeah. And that's I come
1: I come precisely when I mean to. I'm never late. (laughs) Yeah.
0: Gandalf style, baby. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it's kind of like the same thing, um, with the podcast. Like I've had people be like, Yeah, yeah, I want to do it. And then the day of they'll cancel or like, they'll be like, that sounds great. And then they'll ghost for a couple of weeks and then I'll hit them back up and they'll be like, yeah. And then I'll be like, okay, so let's hammer down a date and then ghost for a couple more weeks. <laughs> and so, and, but you know, I get it too because I, I live that life. I'm about that life. So um, mm-hmm. that's just yeah, kind of, it's just what happened. Yeah. Yeah. I think artists' brains are just, you know, we're always in the realm of the conceptual and thinking of ideas and just a mile, you know, a thousand miles a minute up here in the old, in the old noggin.
1: Yeah. Cause it becomes so like, it's very obsessive, right? Like it's very Mm -hmm. like, um, like I, I, like I always talk about, about it with, with my wife and I'm always just like, yeah, it's just this weird, like, it's like compulsive, and it like becomes one of those things where it's like, she's just like, please don't paint before we have to go somewhere. Cause I know for a fact, you're going to paint until the last possible second. And then we're going to be so late getting out that door. And I'm yeah. like, no, I'm well, totally. It's going to be fine. Yeah, yeah. And then like, yeah. <laughs> cut to later, and it's like <laughs> shows up late to a thing. And, uh, and that's, that's just kind of my MO. I, I, but that's like, you know, like you just get into it and then you forget, you know? Mm
0: and be it's the beauty of it
1: yeah exactly yeah i spend so much time in the shower just like i can have like a 30 minute shower <laughs> and i have very little to do like i don't like condition my hair or like do anything like I'm, i could be done like in five minutes
0: yeah and
1: i could be in there for 30 minutes and i'm just like i can be like rubbing my eyes and just thinking like what's the next thing i'm gonna do Okay. So I definitely want to do this or that. <laughs> How much time do I have left on this painting? And like I'm, I easily could do that. Like time just kind of flies like that for me sometimes.
0: Nice. Yeah. It's, uh, it's a blessing and a curse, I would say. Yeah. Um, but it's like, it's
1: great to have this as like a, like there's nothing better than to be like obsessed with art to me. Like, it's just so like, I I think about like, you know, being obsessed and going down like rabbit holes with like social media, Reddit or, you know, Instagram, whatever. And it's just like this weird time suck. And then you come out the other end and you've got nothing to show for it, except maybe some existential dread Mm -hmm. and being really depressed about the news. Yeah. Uh, But like, at least with art, it's like you're on the other end of it and you have like a thing and you're like, oh, I'm going to have a thing.
0: Yeah. 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 You're producing something you're not just doom-scrolling all the time. Uh, yeah. Yeah, it's funny how on the last, I mean, what, seven, eight podcasts, every every time social media kind of wriggles its way into the conversation, much like it has with all of our lives, I guess. Um, how How's your relationship with, with that? I know you said you don't really you don't really put too much effort into it or do you find that like it's hard for you to not scroll sometimes because I know I just follow a bunch of artists and so it's Instagram it makes it really easy for me to just be like wow cool wow I really like that and then I'm like man I just spent like 30 minutes looking at other people's work when I had this painting that's like finish me you know
1: yeah <laughs> I definitely have I definitely have that but I also think that it's really interesting because like I love Instagram for this the the for the, the one simple fact that it's like a really great way you just get to see what everybody else is doing it's like you're yeah. like you get to do this studio visit through like all over the world yeah,
0: yeah in like
1: half an hour right and it's so like that's so cool and like you think about like 15 years ago, like you had, like you you would, maybe you would have your like portfolio online
0: right? and
1: you would go to gallery shows. And if you're like close enough to galleries that were even into that, even showed stuff you liked. Right. Right. Now it's like, damn, like you can really like just see everything. And I, I kind of love that. Um, And then you get to discover new people and that's also kind of cool thing that kind of sucks is obviously it's like, you know, it's constantly like listening to you and it's like, Oh, I heard you, you were looking for furniture. Here's some <laughs> ads from West Elm, you know, yeah. and like, that's yeah. how I've looking for. Yeah. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, 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 I think of it as lost time, but I, it's only like lost time to me. If I like go down like the rabbit hole of like, okay, let me just go through like the explore. And then it's just a bunch of random stuff. Yeah. And uh, yeah, yeah. that's when I feel like I've lost time and that happens when I go on Reddit, like I'll go on Reddit.
0: I'll be like, that's yeah. That's the one.
1: <laughs> yeah. Uh, because it is, it, it's such a wide range of stuff and I haven't really curated the, the subs that I follow well enough. Uh, Cause I follow a bunch of art subs. I follow a bunch of like artifact porn is a really good one that, you know, nice. Uh, in terms of cool places to find like interesting artifacts. Um, I'm like, yeah, like there's just so many of those little subs, but I could definitely lose time there. It's not as focused and not as like art focused for me. So then it definitely becomes kind of like lost time. But, um, I try to keep a lot of it. Like I quit Facebook years ago.
0: Good like, for you. Dang.
1: It's yeah. not good. It's not a fun place.
0: No, <laughs> uh, not really. The I'm- most
1: I'm on there is there's a, there's a group called the dark Art society, mm. um, I'm in that. And that's like one group. I show up there maybe once a week Mm -hmm.
0: and then that's it. Yeah. Yeah. It's just, it's just disrupted everything about how humans relate to each other, but it's also, it's, you know, I describe it as just the classic double-edged sword analogy where like, it's the greatest and the worst thing to happen to, to civilization in a long time because yes, it connects you but then it's like yes it connects you like you're you're hearing and seeing everyone's you know emotions, thoughts, psychology just out out there, just out there for everyone to see and you would think like at least my personality thinks like oh that's that's interesting, you know, like I'm interested in people. People are very interesting to me. But then sometimes it's like it's like if you want to find the artifacts from people's psychology, right. You sort of have to wear this kind of hazmat suit of, of your own, like whatever, whatever you want to call it, like mental boundaries. Like sometimes, oh. you know, like if I'm, if I catch myself scrolling through Facebook, I just try and put it down. But sometimes if, I'm like, oh, that was a pretty funny post. And then I go, and then I go, and then I read something, and I'm like, okay, that's the one. That's where I cut it off. That's where I put it down. It's like not everything that's interesting should be consumed by your mind. Because then you have all these other people's minds like banging around in your mind. You know, it's, I yeah. don't know.
1: Yeah. Like the, I, The thing i will say that i do always find super fascinating is you'll find an article and then like you know it's or or somebody posts something really weird and it's like oh what's this food fight look like in the comment section (laughs) and then like it's like lift up the rock and then there's all the little like creatures that are under there and you're like oh too much (laughs) yeah yeah
0: Yeah. oh yeah and it's i mean i don't know we could go on and on and w- with analogies yeah. and stuff. But, yeah, it's just interesting to see how people interf- different people interface with it because there, there are also, like, opportunities sometimes hidden there. Like, you know, I saw uh, the gallery that you work with, or Arch Enemy, the other day, uh, maybe a couple weeks ago, that they, they were announcing their open call, right? And that's something that, like, I wouldn't have been aware of had I not, you know and so yeah i just want to shout out like the good parts of it too i guess
1: yeah no i think that's like i mean like i'm I, i love instagram still like i mean i think it kind of it's tough because of the algorithm and that really annoys me because the way that they they keep trying to sweeten that in a weird way and like you know um it just makes it hard for for artists because it's like oh well you know you're not doing a short form video or enough reels. So, you know, not going to show up in as many people's, you know, feeds anymore. And that kind of stinks. But I think that like the, the positive of it, like I said, is just like, yeah, like we're, we get to see all of this different stuff and yeah. And even galleries, like that's how I found out about like their open, our genomes open call was through Instagram. That's how I found out about all of these, you know, open calls was usually through Instagram. Yeah. Uh, like honestly not for nothing it's like i don't know that i don't know where like if anybody would be interested in my work if it just hung around in a gallery completely in a vacuum without people knowing about me or knowing about it on instagram so
0: right 100 percent. like that's that's how i feel about my own work too it's it's pretty amazing that i've garnered this much attention from this amount of people it's like i'm like wow okay Cool. This is, this, and it helps me to like affirm, you know, like we all need some sort of external affirmation, some more than others. uh, But it's helped me kind of like affirm, like, okay, like people like this, I love making it. So it helps me just kind of like keep going. And I imagine that that's like, and I, I think I would have to imagine I'm not, i'm not uh you know super knowledgeable about the numbers but i think that like since instagram has popped up i would imagine that there would be just this explosion of the number of people trying to make it in the art world or trying to make art and share it you know
1: i think there is i a thousand percent think that like it's kind of like the um like all of a sudden, I mean like even people I know who I worked with in the past who I didn't even know they were really even remotely into art, like now they're on Instagram and they're like doing like, like they're doing their own comic book and stuff like that. Um, and so I'm like, I think there's a huge explosion of people who are, who are on it. And I think there's kind of like, uh, in, in its own way, I think there's like kind of, um, all of our, like the influences right now are now kind of global, Mm -hmm. right? Like certain art trends are now global. They're not just like the Philly art scene or the New York art scene or something like that. Yeah. Everything's so connected now that it all kind of like, um, it all kind of starts, you know, like starts connecting. Um,
0: for sure. That's
1: that's such a redundant statement. (laughs) No, no it's Uh, all good but it's like yeah it's like uh that's kind of like the that is a really that is a really cool interesting thing and i'm curious how like art historians will look back on it too um
0: yeah i mean i think that like historians in general will look back on the internet as like the i mean i don't even know what it could be compared to but um you know there's the the modern philosopher i think he's i'm pretty almost 100% sure he's dead now, but Marshall McLuhan, do you know him? No, I don't. His his kind of tagline was that the media is the message rather mm-hmm. than like the message coming through the media. The media itself is sort of like indicative of, of what kind of culture it will create. Like, and that technology actually is like upstream from culture and civilization where like, mm-hmm. so we live in this internet technology world which is you know it it like demands participation um it's communal it's you know more than communal global like and and it's bound like very boundary dissolving um i don't know what my point was with that but it's kind of just to to illustrate that like you know we can't talk about art i guess without talking about Uh, technology and um, or media, right? Like, like, you know, first we had spoken word, obviously. Mm -hmm. Then we had the written word, which was like a form of technology with like single sheets of either paper chiseled in the stone or whatever. But then like the printing press came and um, McLuhan's argument was sort of something like that culture that, that that technology created was sort of like this one point perspective culture where like the, the, the person writing the book, you know, like one person writing the book and then um, radio and television sort of became more of like an oligarchy, like writing the narrative and programming people's minds. And then now the internet has just like blown everything just so wide open. And you have like, you know, a 7 billion point perspective sphere of, of culture or whatever. Yeah,
1: yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's like, that sort of stuff is very wild to think about. And it's always like funny because I think like you think about like, uh, like digital artists, like for instance, speaking of like technology, yeah. right. This whole thing with, uh, uh, you know, NFTs. Right. All right. And I was like, at the beginning of it, I was like, yeah, that is really cool because finally, like digital artists have the opportunity to, to like ascribe a, like more like, monetary value out of what they have rather than mass production of the image that they make.
0: You know? Right, right, right,
1: right. Um, but then it's kind of like, you know, we're like, it's the emperor's clothing where it's like a little bit of like, well, is this gift really worth like, you know, a couple of thousand? <laughs> like, I don't know, like, I can't wrap my head around that because I'm like, this is t- it's by virtue of it yeah. being digital, it's infinitely replicable.
0: Yeah. So, yeah. Uh, I mean, what it's, um, it's all about provenance in that scene. I got real yeah. into it. I didn't, and I still had, haven't actually even made like a NFT of my art. Um, but we did do an NFT of this podcast, uh, several episodes ago, but, yeah, the whole thing there is, like, it's, like, you know how sometimes there'll be old paintings and people will be, like, oh, this is a lost Caravaggio painting or something. And then it turns out that, actually, no, it's not. Like, now the the idea is that the provenance will never disappear. You know what I mean? Like, And you'll right. be able to trace back trace it all back to the original thing, even though it will be replicable. It's like, it won't have the, you know, it's like getting a print with a certificate of authenticity or whatever. Yeah. Um, and I, I honestly, like I could probably do some brushing up on the NFT space. Cause I don't know exactly where it's currently at. But one thing I do know is that I'm getting a lot of DM requests from people being like, we're about to drop our alien nfts and it's like you know 500 uh eight big you know they're doing like the crypto punks thing if you're familiar with Mm -hmm. that and but they're trying to do their own crypto punks so i I mean there's definitely like a lot of you know manipulating the market just like in the art world um
1: exactly in the art world yeah it's all all like smoke and mirrors kind of too yeah (laughs) like yeah, like totally. That's, you know, like, like the banana, like the whole banana thing. It's like somebody bought that because they. It's like yes, they they, they get to say I'm I'm the guy who spent forty thousand dollars on the banana thing that made it all over the news, right? Right, right. To some degree, with like NFTs, you can be like, yeah, like I've got people stuff, you know, like not to downplay his by any stretch of the imagination. Right, it's, it's just that's
0: great, but it, you know, th- I think that's what we're doing, right? Like as artists. um, it was put really well to me once um, that like you're like, we're not selling the art. We're selling the buyer on a version of themselves with this art hanging in their house. You know what I mean? It's like, it's kind of like you're selling status or you're selling um, a daily experience of like having a painting in your home that you really enjoy. And I think that that's, a more accurate take than than saying like oh we're we're selling you know marks on a canvas or, or pixels on a screen or whatever it is you know
1: yeah yeah 100 percent. because i mean like at the end of the day art is like a it's like a luxury item you know
0: yeah definitely um, but
1: i've i mean like one of the things i do remember hearing somebody talk about like you know speaking of provenance was like the idea of like using using art right like using like an nft as a way to be like you know that's like sort of your certificate of authenticity and then like the token like that you get is like actual you know thing you know Mm -hmm. you also get painting um and that was like a a, like something that like people were i heard somebody talk about that it's like a theory of like something you could do with actual like physical paintings and nfts Um,
0: yeah yeah definitely like you can like if you buy let's say someone buys the nft they would also they would get that digital token but like if you, if it was a physical painting, you could be like, well, okay, I'll include the physical painting with the token, you know? And, yes. uh, yeah, I mean, that's a nice, that's a nice way for, for guys like us who make physical paintings to sort of be like, yeah, yeah, we're relevant in this space too, you know?
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Cause I, I feel like I only heard about it too late and I feel like, um, it's just, it's really, there, you know, there's a lot that's kind of involved with it. So like, I don't really, I mean, I don't know enough about it. Mm -hmm. I have a friend who tried it, um, but I I don't think I have particularly like the large enough, on a large enough following that it would really um, make sense for me. I don't think. Um,
0: Yeah. I mean, that's sort of the conclusion I came to. Plus it would be like a lot of work on my plate to figure out, like, you know, out of respect for the, the people in the digital space who are making you know damn near full on virtual environments like i would at least want to take one of my paintings and like do something funky with it like i see a lot of uh stuff on your on your instagram page where it's sort of moving or like it's kind of it's doing this cool like cut you know something like that and so for me it was kind of like time involved in like learning after effects or 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 even illustrator you know like um just doing all those things uh but yeah i mean it's an interesting space and i think it's just another way to to sell art i will say though that they're okay so i saw this one tweet the other day where um someone made some crappy nft or whatever they put it up on OpenSea, super rare something like that and um they bought it with their own stash of Ethereum or whatever for a hundred K worth of Ethereum. Right. And then they turned around and they sold it for 30 K and they were in the language of the tweet was something like, yeah, I did this and this sucker thought that he was getting a 70% discount. And so there's a lot of things like that going on. Um,
1: But that's like kind of like, you know, like the art market where it's like, you know, a person who's like an art collector who's also like on the board at MoMA. And then they're like, you know what? I got a lot of this guy's stuff hanging out around in here. And um, I'm kind of a board member. So I think that this should go in the museum now. yeah And my personal collection of that artist stuff has risen, you know, the value of that has risen exponentially.
0: Right, right. Yeah, there's... there's a lot about the the um, like high end gallery art world that I'm still blind to because I don't think I've really come over that horizon. But from all accounts of people who are <laughs> who are sort of like adjacent or near that, it's like it's pretty uh, pretty weird.
1: Yeah, it's. Well, I, cause I had a friend who uh, who worked at who worked at MoMA. Mm -hmm. And, um, they worked with, um, one of like the curators and basically like putting together like, you know, um, like they were like coming up with like how to do the language to describe art in a better way at MoMA instead Mm -hmm. of making it so, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for, you know, just without it, like feeling like it's so self-important, um, and and he was like, yeah, like he was like, yeah, man, it's like it's so strange there. It's like, you know, like you have it's exact you know, like he's like, it's 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 just this weird Byzantine politics that kind of happens behind the scenes at these big museums and they're huge institutions. And the people getting their own stuff and their personal, like, you know, their personal collections put in there. And like, that's how they're inflating the prices and that affects blue chip gallery prices for this artist now and and all this stuff. And it just seems so strange. There's a really good documentary too on uh, Netflix about it. Um, What's it called? I'm trying to think, I'm trying to remember what it was called. Um, It was like, Saw it in like I want to say 2019. Mm -hmm. Um, Was it the price of everything? Maybe. Mm -hmm. I think that was. I've
0: heard of that. I don't know if I've actually seen it. I'll check. Yeah, I
1: think I think it was the the price of everything. And it's just so it's so strange because you know, like then you like kind of realize that it's you know, it's its own weird little thing because it's also like there's nothing else like art to be like, um you know here's this piece of wood with some, you know, pigment that I pushed around with some like ferret hairs on a stick yeah. uh, and a couple thousand dollars. Cause I said it is, you yeah, know, yeah,
0: yeah, yeah, <laughs> exactly.
1: And, uh, and it's like, it's the weird circular thing. It's like, well, someone paid it, paid that. So then it is so, worth that.
0: Right, But right.
1: It's, it's so weird. It's this weird self-perpetuated thing. Cause like, you know, it could be absolutely worthless to somebody else. Like I never understood like if somebody buys a painting and then like, cause I think they talk about that in terms of like, you know, like your prices, what are your prices for your work? Mm-hmm. And like, it's not a good idea to like overprice your work. Right. And then like come down because then it's like anybody who's bought your stuff in the past, it's like, it's oh, going to be kind I
0: of could... salty about <laughs> that
1: yeah and and also like kind of like oh wait and also like the thing that i bought maybe it's not worth as much as it's supposed to be like i don't understand you know what i mean i mean i I wouldn't like i don't think i would care terribly much if like one of the paintings i bought off of somebody like they're like selling it for a couple hundred bucks less not that i'm buying like thousand dollar paintings or anything like that yeah but like i don't think i would like I don't think I would care because it's like, that's not why I bought it. I bought it because I love it. Exactly.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like I have, you know, I have a couple friends who do run like smaller galleries and, um, advice they give to people, um, you know, just on the side, I guess is, uh, is only buy it if you love it. Like don't buy it because you're trying to flip it. Cause you know, I mean, you never know, you, you know, like and also, like if you love it, chances are like if you're buying it for that reason, chances are there's a, a greater chance of it blowing up quote unquote right, because you're not like oh this this artist's hot right now, you know right, this artist is hot i'm gonna I'm gonna take this three months down the line, I'm gonna flip it, you know like that's yeah. not the it's not the mindset, you know.
1: No, it's like I, I could never really wrap because the only I only started like heard about these guys who like buy speculatively in the mid 2000s. I worked for um an artist, his name was Lane Twitchell. Um, and he was doing these like really, um, I mean, they're super trippy. He would do these like it was almost like a snowflake, mm-hmm. you fold paper a bunch of different ways, and then you cut out. Into it, and then when you open it, it's all symmetrical. Um, and I worked with him as an assistant, and he was he was selling and and showing in a lot of like Chelsea um, galleries and stuff like that. Um, I think one of them I remember like one of them was in the old Playboy building, and I vaguely remember being in that building before or after he was at that gallery and I think that was like the first time I'd seen cause. Um, that yeah, his, his uh, what did, what does he call his little characters? they There's the companions
0: companions. Yes. Yes.
1: Yeah. He had his companions in there and it was like, this is like 2006 I want to say or something like that. Mm-hmm. But anyhow, he was like, um, Lane was telling me and like part of one of his paintings, it was like he had one of them. I remember cause it's like, he, he, he did like within each hard to describe, but he would, we, we would cut out he would cut out these like little tiny scenes into the paper
0: mm-hmm. and i remember
1: one of them was like it was like uh if i remember correctly it was like a bunch of boxes and it looked sort of like you know indiana jones where there was like all of the um, at the end of indiana jones result there's all those crates and this big warehouse space yeah 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 he, he did a scene kind of like that and it was sort of about how like art goes into this like art storage and i was like what the hell is that he's like oh yeah like out in new jersey a bunch of these like rich, rich dudes who buy these paintings, they don't put them up in their house. He's like, they, they, they buy them and they store them and they put them in like this, you know, like temperature controlled space out in like, you know, uh, out in yeah, Newark somewhere. And I was like, what? And he's like, Oh yeah. Like that. Like I was so blind and oblivious to this cause I was like in art school at the time. So right. I was like, I didn't know any of that. Right. Um, it was just so mind blowing to me, um, that that was like a thing. But I learned so much from, um, being an art assistant with him, um, in terms of just like, even as a business, like, you know, he always saw himself as like this, this is like his, 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 his studio was his factory. And he was like, you know, like when he had like me and maybe like one other assistant and then like, when we were getting close to a show, he'd have like two other assistants there and we're like, you know, working till all hours of the night, finishing up all these different paintings they're big they were like six by six or something like that five by five um
0: yeah it's interesting the variance in in how people view art um from the artist to the collector you know like you know i just make it because like a i'm not really great at anything else and b i love it you know those yeah. are kind of the two main reasons and i've met a lot of great friends um through making art too so but yeah, like I guess if, if things really took off, I could see myself doing the whole Andy Warhol thing, like factory style, but it it seemed like it wouldn't be as fun. I don't know.
1: No, it's weird. I'm not sure. uh, Yeah. Like one of my friends, I think he knew, um, somebody who like basically like hired out, hires out a bunch of the, uh, artist assistants for like Murakami and, Hmm. uh, he was like, yeah. And it's like, I get it with something with somebody like Murakami because it's like, I could see him very easily, like kind of, it's such a strong and distinct, it's almost, it's a brand, you know? For
0: sure. hundred yeah. percent. And,
1: and I could definitely see how that would maybe work for him better. I don't think I would like it because I would love, you know, like, how do you, we we got into this because we liked making art, not because we like to tell other people how to make art art,
0: you know? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Like
1: that's not why any of us got into it. But um but like yeah and also I had another friend who I think he um he's not in art anymore, but he um he was like uh he was an assistant I want to say it was for Chuck close Oh nice. And um because I remember that was like, I, I mean, his situation is different, obviously, because he was uh, not able to really like, he wasn't mobile anymore.
0: Right, but, right, right, right.
1: But um, that's it's it's always interesting because it's like all of these like big artists, they they have like a lot of, like, that's the other part of it. They too. have a lot it's of like, help. They have a lot of help because otherwise, how are you going to get this stuff out? Like, if you look at any of these old, like, I, forget, I was watching this one documentary it's this guy uh his last name is waldy
0: mm-hmm.
1: british guy he does these really great oh like, yeah yeah you
0: see he he did the one on the impressionists right like
1: yeah 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 i, I was watching so one that cool. was on like the rococo he did one on that um i love i love his 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 stuff um and, uh, but like, it was so interesting cause you see these artists though, like back then that they would be like, I mean, when they're talking a huge painting and you like, I mean, it's gigantic yeah, yeah. and they're like prolific. They just like so many paintings and you're just like, and then they had like, they had assistants. That's why, because there was like right. an apprenticeship thing. Um, it
0: yeah, yeah. was also kind of
1: part of how that worked back then. But that's so cool. Like, that's kind of interesting, but
0: yeah. I, I mean, I guess for like, like sort of. If you're doing paintings that huge, sort of like the grunt work of stretching, gessoing, sanding, that would be nice to have a couple people to help oh out with. And yeah. and like with this podcast I have my my friend helping me out on video editing, which um which is just great. I mean, I love it. I it's such a time saver, you know. So I guess yeah. I could see like how if there's things that that would Save you time, and you've already maybe you've already accomplished a whole lot. Like, when I found out, um, I was way younger, but I found out that uh, Dali had like a like basically people painting, um, that one painting is called the hallucinogenic Toreador, and it's got like the the bust of um, I forget what it is, but it's a Greek statue with no arms, and mm-hmm. it sort of turns into this man with a tie and anyway it's really like the trippiest thing still one of the trippiest paintings ever um but yeah once i found out that how big that painting was and that he had like a bunch of people helping him i was like i didn't get it at the time i was like really like is it what what's up with that was he just you know like he didn't have help with all his paintings and someone, you know, gently took me by the shoulder and said, no, no. Like he was in his sixties or seventies at that point, And like, it just was con- conducting from the back sort of, you know?
1: Yeah. Like, um, the guy that I, that I was, uh, assisting, like he, the way he described his own paintings, he was like, yeah, like my paintings are not, he was like, almost anybody could do it. It's a very replicable series of steps to create mm-hmm. um, to create my art. Only I know though. Like he's like because he, like he would do the drawing right on a piece of like um, what's it called the uh, tracing paper, and then he would do the drawing, and then he'd be like, we tape that to the paper, and he'd be like, okay, now you cut it out, and I'd be like, <laughs> oh, you know, like whatever. Yeah. But it was great. Um, but that was the grunt work, and uh, but like you know, the way he put it though, like he said, it was just like, it's just, he's like, it's a bunch of steps that are very simple in a specific order that can almost, it's almost like mechan not mechanized, but like, you know, like because he's like, because of the the, the simplicity in each step, it comes together in a very complex way and in a way that only he has the vision for. Right. Kind right. Of the, the grand eye for.
0: Yeah.
1: yeah. Uh, but you could like, you know, um that was that was kind of how how he rolled with it i never got to paint any of his things the most i did was like obviously like Just he did the drawing very like tight drawing and then like <laughs> i would do the cutting on one of them
0: but that must uh, have been a cool experience though right like i mean what an initiation into to the art world kind of it sounds like
1: yeah no it was super wild and i remember there's a lot of things he he told me that I always that I was stuck with me was like one of them was like I was in illustration at the time and he was like because he was originally he went to SVA for illustration and he was like yeah like I he was like I went someplace I won some award for an illustration and I went to this like this award reception and he was like he was like it was kind of like in the middle like it was like in some hotel lobby like it was in like someone event space at like a hotel. It was very small. There was no one there and no one cared. And he was like, he was like, do you want to do that with illustration? He's like, at an art show, you've got an art opening. You get to talk to other artists. You get to talk to people who are trying to buy the art. You get to talk to everybody. And he's like, you get to like, there's this energy from it. He's like, why would you want to just like, like basically work almost anonymously as an illustrator? No one like, right, right, like, you know, like other than people who are, illustrators um he was like yeah like it's not as um people don't know you for who you are as much i guess
0: right yeah but i guess even that's changed you know taking it back to the the whole instagram thing like people at like comic-con have their like each artist has a booth and they're like signing stuff all day and like drawing little caricatures of people all day long and uh, yeah it's just interesting that's all blurred now. Yeah. Yeah. Um, well, Michael, it's been great talking with you, man. We've almost done two hours here. Um, at the end, usually I ask, uh, for some advice that you would give uh, younger artists, what kind of, uh, word, words of inspiration perhaps. Um,
1: I think if there's like anything that I would tell younger artists is to not be too hard on themselves. Mm. Um I think it's a matter of like um and i've always i' have said this before where it's kind of like and I only see it now in retrospect that i've always been you always get to a painting and then you get kind of frustrated with it because it didn't live up to your expectations, yeah but it's kind of um all that is is just a snapshot of where you are, and right. that's a stepping down and it's just it's just part of your progression and even if you get a painting that you really like, don't get too precious with it because to be honest with you, like you're going to get better and then you're going to look back on that other painting and then you're going to be like, man, what was I seeing in that? Oh, yeah. So it's, it's kind of, it's, there, there's still, there's, I, I think it's just to appreciate it for the moment and enjoy it for what it is. And then just know that it's, it's definitely, it's a stepping stone to you getting better and just to be patient with it. I think that would probably be my, my advice.
0: Nice. It'd always well, yeah. be nice to people.
1: Always be nice. Always be nice. <laughs> oh yeah.
0: That's just that's just good life advice, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Always be kind. Well, Michael, thank you so much, man. It's been For a sure. pleasure talking with you. Um real quick, tell people where they can find you on the old Instagram and maybe your website if you want.
1: Yeah, um my Instagram is m kamara and that's uh, m c a m a r-r-a and uh that's instagram at m kamara and then um my website is md it's a uh, same m-, m as in mike d and then kamara c-a-m-a-r-r-a.com
0: mm. very nice michael kamara y'all thank you so much man and uh yeah. thanks everybody for listening we'll check you next time yeah. Thank you again for listening to another episode of RTAF Podcast. If you are interested in supporting the Patreon, that address is patreon.com slash RTAF Podcast. And I want to thank all my patrons. You guys keep this engine running. I couldn't do it without you. Go over there and check out the tiers I have available. It includes video, uh, guest suggestions, uh, patron-only posts, and some merchandise. Thank you again for listening. Please rate, review, subscribe. Do all those little things that help get RTAF into the consciousness of more and more people. Yeah.